Programming notes for the week of May 22nd, 2022. As previously noted, we are doing two interview episodes per week as the pace of content was getting to be too much for most listeners, and honestly me. So this week, we've got two awesome interviews and a mesh musings. I'm going to start sounding like a broken record until I see some movement on this. If you want to see more and better content from people other than me, so you can make better decisions about your data mesh journey, you need to be supporting the community in some way or another. Make active content requests. Directly ask the people who have put out content questions about that content so then they understand that people are consuming it and want more. Ask the consultants that you see in the Slack what challenge, about what challenges are blocking you. Join the Patreon so we can show vendors and others that content is actually desired etc. Be the change you want to see. Be the first to say you need some help or you want some more perspective and we can get more people to say where they are facing issues and then more people to share about how they're facing those issues. So again, if we want this community to actually move forward at a pace that hasn't been seen really in technology, We need people participating. We need you all to drive that participation, to extract that information from other people. It can't just be me. Now on to some quick notes about the episodes this week. So on Monday, it will be episode 79, a data success secret recipe, comfort with ambiguity and change management, an interview with Vincent Koch. Vincent and I discussed what kind of mindset and approach you need to be successful with something like Data Mesh. It's early days for Data Mesh, and there are lots of unanswered questions. It's called Bleeding Edge for a reason. You need an ability to experiment and be okay with failure as a learning experience. You need comfort with ambiguity and to really think about change management. On Tuesday, it'll be episode 80, a Data Mesh Prisoner's Dilemma, sharing with the community. Mesh Musing 16, an episode on what, in my mind, is driving the lack of early context sharing in the community and what can happen if we get past that. Friday is episode 81, Finding Useful and Repeatable Patterns for Data, which is an interview with Shane Gibson. Shane's been finding and talking about patterns regarding data, especially capital A, agile data patterns. He's been doing that for almost a decade. So we discussed the concepts around taking patterns from other areas of of software engineering and DevOps and things like that and applying them to data, which is really crucial to be able to do with data mesh. We can't just invent everything whole cloth. Jamak took inspiration from so many different places. You should take the patterns from those places, adapt them for data and see how they work. And It's important to understand the ephemeral nature of patterns and success. A pattern that works for you now might stop working, and it's okay to move on from that pattern. And patterns may work for others and not for you, and that's okay. So before we jump into the extended summaries, I'll again reiterate that people that want more information on how to do data mesh, presumably most of the people listening, you must stop being passive about what information you want slash need. Press people to create more content by telling them what you want. There are literally tons of people who would be happy to create content if they knew there was a very specific audience for that content. So put that out there. Just like in Data Mesh, 
We need more consumer driven requests. We need the consumers to go to the producers and make the direct requests. Stop going through the intermediaries. Stop just passively consuming information like the data consumers have done. You need to speak up. So on to the summaries. Bottom line up front, what are you going to learn about and hear about in this episode? I interviewed Vincent Koch, head of data at the merchant platform company High Pages. To start with, some big ta- takeaways from Vincent. First, if you aren't comfortable with an agile mindset and ambiguity, bleeding edge probably isn't for you. And that's okay. You and your organization need to be comfortable with failing, learning, and then iterating. If not, then Something like data mesh and the bleeding edge really is not going to be (laughs) something that you're going to want to kind of move forward on right now. Second, to get data mesh or really any big data-related change initiative right, you should focus on change management much more than you probably think. It ends up being the secret sauce or the crucial lacking factor much more often than the tech is in these data-related initiatives. Third, think problem-specific, not technology-specific. It's easy to over-engineer the problem. Technologists want a technology. With these last two points together, it's about really what are you trying to accomplish and what you're trying to accomplish isn't implementing a technology. The technology helps you to achieve your results. That's what it's designed or that's how you should be trying to leverage it. Last point, in general, consistency is key to achieving widespread success in data. If you only want it to be in kind of one domain, you know, don't look for consistency, but look where consistency makes sense. One domain having a major success won't lead to broader org-wide success if you don't look to leverage reusability factors to make consistency across other domains easy. A bunch of great but non-consistent solutions doesn't add up to a valuable whole picture. You know, the whole one plus one equals three type of concept. You want to get to that. So for Vincent, every organization considering data mesh should ask if data mesh is really the correct approach for them. Data mesh really isn't for a large subset of organization, whether that is right now or even ever. If your organization doesn't have an appetite for change, it's going to be very tough to move towards data mesh. He recommends embracing an agile methodology such as fast feedback and trial and error and things like that if you're going to try and go down this route. When thinking about splitting your data monolith into domains, Vincent recommends taking a lot of learnings from what works well in the microservices realm. You shouldn't decompose everything all at once, that just creates chaos. You need to split out larger domains one by one and then figure out if you need to split them further, but there is when there is more value in doing so. Peel them off instead of a big bang approach. Vincent believes that in general, about 20% of your teams will consume about 80% of your data team's time and energy. There are a few ways to work with those teams to reduce that amount of time, but it is also somewhat of a fact of of reality. 
whether that is because those domains are more prominent or noisy or well-loved or for many other reasons. That data work disparity often leads to those areas being more data mature. Now, when discussing disparate data maturity, Vincent talked about the need to drive all domains that will participate in something like data mesh to at least a common base level of maturity. You have to have a relatively mature domain to be at what he referred to as mesh level capability. Domains that aren't at that capability will still need to rely more heavily on the centralized data teams and and those capabilities as they improve their data maturity. And it's okay to work with them closely to up their maturity level. Just telling them to catch up is probably not going to work. There will need to be some handholding there, and that's okay. Vincent believes embedding data analysts, whether you call them data analysts, analytics engineers, or whatever else, into the domains is crucial, especially if you are going to attempt to implement data mesh. They serve as the custodians of the data for the domain whether that is the data shared with others via a data product like in data mesh or for data the domain regularly consumes and uses, again, whether that's from the domain or external sources. One point Vincent thinks is crucial to moving forward in data mesh is that those data custodians need to help disseminate data knowledge to software engineers. And the organization needs to build tools and frameworks to make it easier for the software engineers to own and manage the data. If you have that single person in the domain that really gets the data, that's a pretty risky single point of failure in in, Vincent's view and mine as well. When asked about the balance between long and short-term planning, Vincent talked about with an agile methodology, you need to quote unquote cater to today and not get overly focused on the long-term exact plan or roadmap. Things will change. Set yourself on a good path, set that North Star, and keep your ears and eyes open for the signals you need to change your path or your plan, such as look at what a domain could become with the right direction and set it on that path to positive evolution as best as possible. But overly don't overly define the path. You know, it's kind of the how firm of a grip are you are you having on things? You know, too light of a of a grip on like a butterfly and a it's going to fly away to <laughs> tight of a grip and you can get the, the rest of the analogy. Vincent talked about how crucial and often overlooked or ignored good change management is for data organizations. Now more than ever, due to how fast the world and the data landscape is changing, it's crucial to break down changes into terms and or actions that all constituents can understand. The organizational is much more important than the technology in most respects. To drive buy-in, Vincent has seen giving people agency over their data work quite well. Giving domains the trust and the tools, frameworks, or resources to manage their data gets those business leaders, the domain owners, to come to the table quite often. But you can't just give them the responsibility without the additional help. I've talked about that as a dot, 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 not nice move. Vincent discussed some past approaches that he would do differently now. He focused too much on the technology and telling others exactly how something should work or look instead of working with them to drive to the outcome and let them figure out the right path 
while helping them along the way. You can influence that final picture quite heavily, but if you just show them the picture and say, go here, it doesn't work very well. You know, give them the big picture and talk to the outcome rather than the technology. And to do that, Vincent talked about building out a, a pattern, but not the whole picture. Give them a defined enough idea of that good outcome, but not overly defined. And build in the easy path or golden path boilerplates where it makes sense through templates, but you know, also add extensibility. If things are too rigid, people will thrash against that. It is quite easy to over-engineer solutions. Think problem-specific, not technology-specific. Specific to data mesh, Vincent sees one of the big remaining questions out there is how to actually automate and decentralize governance, especially things like access control. There isn't much good specifics out there on how to set up security as code in a scalable way, whether data mesh or not. And we need to think about security as that sliding scale of risk. You can't completely eliminate risk. That's ridiculous. But you should be thinking about what is my risk reward when it comes to risk. Vincent shared a few words of wisdom near the conclusion for data leaders. The first was how easy it is to see something like data mesh, get very excited, and try to do a whole lot of changes at once. Making mass changes causes instability. Instead, think about where you can be more targeted in support of the long-term big picture. Don't boil the ocean. The second was get comfortable with ambiguity and think if your organization is aligned to accepting ambiguity. If you aren't comfortable with ambiguity, stay away from the bleeding edge. It's called bleeding for a reason. And it's fine to not be wanting to jump on that bleeding edge. You need the ability to test, to try and test, fail, learn, and then iterate towards a better solution. If failure isn't allowed and, and maybe even celebrated, the bleeding edge is probably for braver souls. And again, that's okay. So I think you'll learn a lot from this one. Uh, let's go ahead and jump to the episode. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interviewed Shane Gibson, co-founder and chief product officer at Agile Data IO, as well as an Agile Data Coach. Shane's last eight years have been about taking Agile practices and patterns and applying them to data as an Agile Data Coach. And those patterns required a lot of tweaks to make them work for data. You know, if you're taking these patterns that we've learned from software engineering and applying them to data, it takes a lot more effort to actually apply them to data. They aren't one-to-one. -one. A big learning from that work is that when applying patterns in Agile in general, and specifically in data, each organization, even each team, needs to test and tweak slash iterate on patterns. And that patterns can start valuable, lose value, and then become valuable again. Shane gave the example of daily standups to drive collaboration as a forcing function, but then they can lose value when that collaboration becomes a standard team practice. If there is a disruption to the team, you know, a new member or, you know, there's a reorg or something like that, where collaboration is no longer standard practice, daily standups could get become valuable again. 
So how do we apply these agile concepts to data, especially when we think about data practices and patterns as kind of, we're going to do this specific thing going forward? Currently, Shane sees no real patterns emerging in the data mesh space. And I kind of agree with that. It's still pretty early. Patterns often take five to eight years to develop. And data mesh is what, maybe 12 months into even moderately broad adoption. And data mesh has such a wide practice area. There are many kind of sub practices within that where patterns will need to kind of emerge. And so, you know, that's going to take time and there are so many places. So it's kind of hard that it's not, okay, we're all focusing on one specific thing. But that lack of patterns makes it quite hard for even those who want to be on the leading edge of implementing data mesh instead of the true bleeding edge, uh, because having to invent everything yourself is, is taxing work. So we need companies to really take existing patterns, iterate on them, and then big em- emphasis on this, tell the world what worked and what didn't. People aren't sharing their patterns. That's what's going to make it hard to adopt data mesh for many organizations for you know, many years to come. And then you won't be able to, if you're doing it and you're not sharing your learnings, then maybe that organization isn't going to feel like they're uh, able to really see the patterns well enough to implement it themselves. And you could have learned from them as well. So it really does kind of snowball if everybody's helping each other out. Shane believes that it will likely be pretty hard for many organizations, or at least many parts of large organizations to give application developers in the domains the responsibility of creating data products. If your domains aren't already quite technically capable in building software products, it's going to be very hard for them to really handle the data needs when you think about data mesh. So looking at domains that are using kind of large out-of-the-box enterprise platforms, or they're just kind of using an amalgamation of SaaS solutions instead of rolling their own software, Will they really have the capability to manage data as a product? If those domains don't have the most complex of data, maybe. But if there is kind of complex data that you need out of those domains, are they really mature enough to handle it? I think it's a very valid question. We don't really have a lot of information on it just yet. To really be agile using capital A agile methodologies, you need to adopt the capital A Agile mindset and not just patterns and practices in in Shane's view. Agile is really about experimenting with a pattern and either iterating to make it better or throwing it out. It's not about being precious. As mentioned earlier, you should also throw out patterns that were effective and aren't helping you anymore. You need to do the same at the team and organizational level if you're going to successfully implement something like data mesh. Your teams and your organization overall are like uh, living, changing, evolving organisms. Treat them as such. A very important point Shane made is data mesh isn't a solution. It needs to, at most, be a way of approaching your data and analytical challenges of organization, but with a true purpose in mind. The purpose isn't implementing data mesh. Data mesh isn't the solution. It's something to use to get to a goal around your business goals or or whatever. The purpose is is that business objective or challenge and data mesh is helping you tackle that. Also, data mesh is not the right solution for many organizations. 
especially smaller ones or ones that don't have highly complex data needs. Those organizations should review data mesh and understand the principles and work towards some of them, but their real challenge isn't the centralized team being a bottleneck. So don't take on the pain of decentralizing to be kind of hip and trendy. For those who haven't really dealt with capital A Agile, a quote unquote fun potential learning per Shane is that there isn't really a great pattern for measuring if uh, another pattern is working. Proving how well something is working is kind of impossible in a lot of ways. So a large part of it is really feel. We, we chose this pattern to improve collaboration or whatever. Do we believe our collaboration has improved? If yes, great. Let's try to iterate and improve it a bit more. If no, or our collaboration has even gone down, get rid of it. For Shane, when evaluating if you are effective in your agile methodology, ask, does, does the organization empower this team to work effectively? You will probably need to look at this on a team-by-team basis and repeatedly ask this question over time. It's not, we empowered them you know, six months ago, so they, they automatically remain empowered. Trying to scale that capital A agile to fit all teams in an organization is often uh, an anti-pattern. If you're trying to fit it, the exact same patterns to all of the teams, it's it's just not going to work from what people have have seen in the agile space. And if you are in a hierarchical company, adapting those agile patterns alone is probably not going to really change the way, way you work in the long run. You need to break the hierarchies in some way. For Shane, there is a big question that Data Mesh has yet to answer. Can we really move the data production ownership to the application developers? He thinks if we look at DevOps and how developers took on necessary work for testing and CICD, we can. But then the even bigger question is how? How can we map the language of what needs to get done to the software engineering semantics? For Shane, one thing that he really kind of hit on was the idea of a proof of concept or POC is is just broken in, in a lot of organizations. We need to rethink it entirely, especially for data mesh. What are you really trying to prove out? He believes that there are typically two types of POCs and most default to type one when potential beneficiaries or kind of the consumers expect the output of type two. In type one POCs, you are trying to prove out a high level hypothesis that has lots of uncertainty. It's about experimentation and doing it in a quick and dirty way that is not ready for production. And the output of type one is all about proving out the hypothesis, not that production ready result. So if you're doing that with data mesh, it might be that you're trying to prove out the data set, that this data set is valuable rather than you're trying to prove out you can actually do data mesh and that you, you're able to build the muscle to actually figure out you know, how would you build data products? How would you build your platform? Type two of, of POCs is a minimum viable product or a minimum valuable product. What can we strip away from our end goal to get to something that can be used and is mostly productionalizable? Literally, what is the minimum that is viable? It is about approving the capability to deliver and delivering something of value sooner. So ask yourself, 
what are you really trying to prove in your POC? Is it type one, type two? And communicate that really well. Shane finished on three points. Empower your teams to change the way they work. Stop vendor and methodology washing data mesh. You know, no vendor, you don't sell a data mesh. Stop saying that. Regarding data mesh specifically, share what patterns you are trying to adopt, why you chose them, and what is working and not working. Data mesh can only evolve to something really great if we work together and share more information. So a few key takeaways for me from this episode were agile methodology is about finding patterns that might work, trying those out and deciding whether you should iterate or toss them out. It's going to be hard to directly apply those software engineering patterns to data, but we should look for inspiration from software engineering and then look to tweak those patterns. Anytime you look at a pattern that you might want to adopt or evaluate, if a pattern is working for you, ask yourself, will this slash does this empower the team to work more effectively? Third point would be applying patterns is a bit of a squishy business. Get comfortable that you won't be able to exactly measure if something is working, but also have an end goal in mind for adopting a pattern. What are you trying to achieve? And is this pattern likely to help you achieve that, that intentionality? And then the last one, again, is share your patterns to not only help others, but to get feedback for yourself and maybe ideas to iterate your pattern further and improve what you're doing as well. So with that, let's go ahead and jump to the episode. <music> 